0: We've been dealing with the subject, me and my dysfunctional family. Everybody say, me and my dysfunctional family. Now all of us, if we're honest, I say if we're honest, uh, have have faced uh, a level of dysfunctionality as we deal with family members. And again, if we go back and remember, we talked about the family is more than just you and your immediate family of origin. A family is a group of of one or more parents and their children. It's also all the descendants of a common ancestor. And if you read your Bible and if you believe the Word of God is true, Amen. We know that every man that's on this earth, Amen, descended from Adam and Eve. So all of everybody say we all, all. of one blood. one blood, and so we're all family. But how many of y'all would agree with me that as we look at what's happening in our times, there is a heightened level of dysfunctionality within the family of God, within the family of the human race? Because everybody who's a part of the human race is not necessarily a part of the family of God. Can I get a witness? And so we look at this, we talk about dysfunction and what it means. It means to be troubled. It means to be distressed. It means to be upset, unsettled. It means to be distraught, unbalanced, unstable, disordered, maladjusted, neurotic, Emotionally confused, unhinged, mixed up and mixed up. Does any of those uh, adjectives fit you at any point in time in your life? Have you ever just felt like, man, I just, something's not right? And I'm here to tell you that God desires for us as a people of God, amen, to walk in faith, And to be in a state of being where we can, amen, allow his word to govern our lives and how we go in and how we come out. And when we allow the word of God to be the governing factor in our lives, guys, we can experience peace. Amen. That peace that surpasses all understanding and it will keep our hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. I like that. Amen. Isaiah 26 and 2, I believe it says, thou will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because you trusted in him. So we're going to trust God and believe him for the breakthrough in our life. So in Genesis chapter number 16, we will continue with our story. And we talked about this on the last couple of weeks. We're looking at the family of faith that God chose to bring the Savior in the earth realm to. to. So we'll go back to Genesis chapter number 16. Glory to God. We'll we'll start our reading at verse number 9. Verse number 9. And we know the story how we got to this point Uh, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham was given a promise by God and Sarah along with him that they were going to be the father of many nations. And we saw how God sent Abram at this name, his name is still Abram at this point, on a journey. He sent him on a physical journey because he told him to leave your kinfolk. How many of you know that sometimes in order for you to get into God's will and into God's presence, you have to leave some family folks behind. I say leave them behind. I don't mean that you don't associate with them, but sometimes we allow our families, particularly our families of origin, to keep us from moving where God desires for us to move. So God told Abram, get out, get get away from your family and I'm going to, I want you to go to a place where I'm going to show you. Now, think about that for a second. When you think about families and how at this point in time in uh, an agricultural-based economy, family was everything because family pooled together, farmed the land, and then raised the cows, the chickens, whatever. And the family was a sense of security and a sense of belonging. So when God asked Abram to leave your family, what he was saying is, listen, I want you to leave your comfort zone. I want you to leave, amen, the place where you are, uh, you, you know how it goes, you know what to do, and you've been doing it all your life, you're comfortable there. And I'm here to tell you, every time in my life, when, I, when God asks me to do a thing in faith, faith is not necessarily a comfortable thing. Because if you know what the Bible says, the Bible says, now faith is what the substance of things hoped for, It is the evidence of things that are not seen. So that means that when God requires us to move by faith, we don't necessarily see the answer. We can't figure it out. The numbers don't add up. Anybody ever been there before? How many of y'all in your own family where you had to make a dollar stretch because the number didn't add up? But you had a promise from God that he will supply all of your needs What according to what? His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You didn't understand how it happened. You didn't understand how you got from one paycheck to the next paycheck. But somehow God made a way. Yeah. Can I get two witnesses out there? Well, let me know that God will make a way. Yeah. And so that's what he was asking Abram to do. Leave your comfort zone. Because what God is trying to do with any one of us in here who name the name of Christ is he's trying to get us to depend totally and completely on him. Yes, and sometimes we have people in our life who prevent us from uh, uh, leaning and depending totally upon God. In other words, we, we it's, it's okay to lean and depend on mama, but mama can't be your God. Yes, Amen? Because one day mama's going to leave here. One day daddy's going to leave here. God wants us to trust him. So we look at the situation that happened with Abram and we talked about, When he started this journey on last week, we started dealing with impatient faith and how impatient faith leads us to dysfunction. When he became impatient, when he uh, left the land that God told him to to leave and went to the place that God had assigned him to go to, we discovered that he was in the place that God told him to go, then famine broke out in the land. Okay, Famine broke out and he went down to Egypt. Ever say down? Egypt is symbolic of bondage. He went down to Egypt and began to lie and to do some other thing because his his impatient faith caused him to be in a state of dysfunctionality. So we we come back here to this ninth verse and we see where he he was delivered from Egypt. We come into this ninth verse. It says, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, Uh, in, in Genesis 16, verse number nine, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Now remember, remember the story. God had given Abram and Sarah a promise that you're going to be the father of many nations but they had gotten up in age and they couldn't see how they were going to be able to have a child at this old age y'all know the story right And so, so Sarah Amen, came up with a plan you go and sleep with my handmaid now we know that that was culturally an accepted way of carrying on your name but just because the culture says it's okay brother Elijah doesn't mean that God says it's okay can I get a witness? And too many times in life, guys, we'll change what the word of God says to adapt to what culture is saying is okay. Culture right now is saying it's okay for a man to marry a man. But God says that's not, that's not my plan. God said that's unnatural. Now, when somebody hears me say that, culture is saying it's okay for a woman to marry a woman. But God's word says that is not okay. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to stay with God's word. Because his word, amen, has brought me from a mighty long ways. His word has allowed me, amen, to stand where I am today. His word has healed, delivered, and set me free. So I'm going to stick with God's word. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love those in the culture. But I'm not going to get adapted to the culture. I want the word of God to guide me. So she had this, this brilliant plan that she came up with. But it wasn't God's will. But yet and still. God is using this family to get his will done. See, God will use imperfect people to get his will done in the earth realm, right? So let's keep reading. The the next verse says what? Verse 10 says what? Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. The text that the angel said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. Now remember, Sarah, amen, she won't count with, with the plan. But then once Hagar got pregnant and began to treat Sarah with contempt, Sarah got angry and wanted to do something to her. It was her plan, but her plan, now anytime you get into flesh, flesh will cause you heartache and pain. I want you to think about it right now, if you look back over your life for the last 15, 20, 30 years, how many of y'all have ever made a fleshy decision before? Come on, saints, come on. How many of y'all ever made a decision out of your emotions or out of your flesh? Hello? Some of y'all are connected with people out of your flesh. He was cute. She was fine. You know, I just, couldn't, I just couldn't resist. And then when you gave in to your flesh and then you begin to give in to those things, those passions that were not in line with God's will, then you find yourself being hurt, disappointed, and now needing God to restore you. One thing about God is he's faithfully, he will come and restore you when you come back to him. Can I get a witness? So all this is happening now in our story, and so now we get to this section, this part here. Now God is dealing with Hagar because Hagar was now, once Sarah, Amen, got tired of the contemptness that was being shown by Hagar, then now she begins to 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 treat her real uh, bad. So much so that Hagar runs away. Okay, so watch the text. Let's keep reading. He says, "This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey." He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Verse number 13 says, therefore, hey, God, use another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. How many of y'all know God sees you? She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Can we keep reading? Next, next verse says what? So that well, so that well was named Berhalala. That's the best way I can get it, y'all. Y'all just bear with me. Which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Barad. Next verse says, So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him what? Ishmael. Now watch this. Let's, let's, let's go back and we got to unpack some of this as we move to the, the end of this chapter, guys. I told you on last week that that because of impatience. Uh, impatient faith led to dysfunction in his family. We said that it, 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 impatience, the cause, what, what causes impatience is unfulfilled desire. We said a mistaken thought process. And then we said, number three, a worldly suggestion. That causes, amen, and those, those things lead to, impatient faith leads to dysfunction. And the cause of that impatience is an unfulfilled desire. Because sometimes when you don't have what you want, you'll go and get it any kind of way that you can. And God is saying, I need you to trust me and to believe that what I say is true and that I will bring my word to pass. So those are the causes of impatience. But we begin to say also, we said the consequences of impatience were number one, a wrong plan and a wrong method. You have a wrong plan, and a wrong method when you when you move off of God's will and his plan, and his purpose. Number two, we said the, we see the collapse of collapse of faith and patience. Whenever you uh, move before God tells you to move then you're going to not be walking in faith and you're not going to have patience and the third thing we say about sinful behavior begins to take place when we get into that situation uh that that the the, the consequences of being impatient and moving before god so what are the solutions to impatience i want to keep moving here so if if you are like i am there have been times in your life where you like me have been impatient and you bust the move Y'all know what it means to bust the moon? That means you, you jetted out and you did something before God told you to. You did, jetted out and did something because you could not, like I could, I felt like, I don't know, sometimes I felt like God was taking too long. Have you ever felt that way before? Y'all felt like, okay, God went, God, surely if you are going to do it, you would have done it by now. So since you haven't done it by now, I'm going to take off and I'm going to begin to do it my own way. And I'm here to tell you, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, I can't think of one time where it worked out well for me when I got ahead of God. Impatient faith will lead to dysfunction in your life. So we're going to roll into the 17th chapter here. To begin. Well, tell you, let me you some things before we go into the 17th chapter. The solution to impatience, number one, is a confrontation with God. A confrontation with God. Go back to uh, verses 8 and 9 here of the 16th chapter before we go into 17th. I want to just unpack this real quickly a confrontation with God. See when we act when we when we act in act impatiently we usually end up mistreating somebody we end up abusing somebody or, or we end up doing something that's outside of God's will. Now when I say a confrontation with God listen to what I'm talking about because confrontation when you look it up in dictionary confrontation means a face to face meeting all right. It means the clashing or the, the clashing of forces or ideas. When you have a confrontation with God, that means you come face to face with God or you have a clashing of ideas. God's way or my way. And the only way you're going to know God's way and be able to act on God's way, you got to get into God's word because God's word is God's way. Faith coming by and hearing by. Amen. man, without word, there is no faith. Can I get a witness? So when we look at this thing, look at verse eight, the angel said to her, hey, God, Sarah's servant. Uh, then the angel said to her, hey, God, Sarah, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. Now we talked about this before because of the harshness in which Sarah treated her. And guys, let me tell you something. Don't you think for one second that the angel of God who was sent by God didn't know where she had been? I'm going to tell you something right now. Whenever God asks you a question, he already knows the answer to the question before he ever ask you. Kind of like some of your mamas, right? Some of your mamas already know the answer to the question. They're going to see if you're going to lie. Yes, Can I get a witness? God already knows when he asks a question, when he asked Adam in the garden, where are, you? where are you, Adam? Don't you think for one second that God didn't know where Adam was. But see, what God does when he asks us questions, he's trying to He's trying to get us to see where we really are because we as human beings, sometimes we will fool ourselves into thinking that we're someplace that we're not. So he actually says, she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah. She replied, look at verse number nine. Let's read it real quickly. Verse nine, it says what? The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Now watch this. Here this servant who's been impregnated by Abram, in a plan that was outside of God's will, right? And here it had been treated harshly by Sarah, but now the angel of God tells her to return to your mistress and submit to her authority. I can hear some of y'all right now saying, no, ain't no way in Hades. I'm going back there. But watch what happens here because God is at work here and God is trying to get Abraham, Abram and Sarah up to a point to where they can have strong faith and believe him for the promised seed. But it's a process with them because they started out with weak faith, so much so that when famine occurred in the land, they forgot that God said, this is where you're supposed to be, and they left where God told them to be, Lou, and went down to Egypt. I want to ask you a question. How many times in your life have things got tough and you stopped tithing? How many times in your life have things got tough and you stop praying for that person who you know don't like you. The word of God says pray for those who despitefully can use us. You hear me Talitha? That's Bible. You wouldn't know the scripture says pray for those who despitefully use us and so sometimes when people use us and, they, and they're and they've being amen, not nice to us sometimes it's I'm gonna, I ain't gonna lie. It's hard. I need, to, I need, I need at least five witnesses who say, Brother Pastor, I feel you. Because sometimes it's hard to pray for somebody who's done your own. But yet and still, the scripture says do so. Because what God is trying to do with us is trying to transform our hearts and make sure our hearts don't develop a root of bitterness. So he instructs us to pray for those who may despitefully use us. All right. So the angel said to her, return to your mission and submit to authority. So so we see here a confrontation with God, a meeting with God. Amen. God knew exactly where Hagar was and he knew that she had been mistreated and had fled from Sarah. God knew that she was hurting, that her heart was broken and full of pain. But then why then would God's messenger, amen, ask Hagar where she come from and then send her back? Because what he's trying to do, he's, he's trying to arouse the conviction within her heart. She needed to sense her wrong in the fair too because she had a part to play in that thing too. Right? You know, uh, I, I believe when you look at what happened with that plan that Sarah has, uh, Hagar, amen, could have, one of the things that I probably, I, this is just me thinking, this is just do you don't have to think this is Bible. But I was thinking that if she knew that was wrong, then she should have ran away then before she had to sleep with him. But she stayed in and she connected with him. And I don't know because of his position or whatever, but but she went along with the plan. So all of them were in the, in the in the in the wrong, okay? So we look at this thing, a confrontation with God took place. Whenever you are gonna uh if you are impatient in your walk, if you are impatient in in, in your in your in your measure of faith in God, a man has to come to you face to face. He has to he, there has to be a meshing of the mind. There has to be a confronting of your idea versus God's idea. Because sometimes I've discovered rare is my timing in line with God's timing. See, my timing would tell me that I would be out of debt. I would have been out of debt twenty years ago. That's what my timing would have said. My timing would have, would have said that, you know, we would have already built the new sanctuary and, we all, and the church would, 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 would have reached the community uh, to the point to where we were overflowing and had to, had to build a new sanctuary. That's my timing. But God's timing oftentimes is not in line with my timing. So what I've learned to do, everybody say he learned. Everybody say he didn't always know it. He had to learn it. I had to learn how to wait on God. And waiting, as I told you on last week, is not always an easy thing to do. But if you learn how to wait on the Lord and be of good courage, I promise you, He'll strengthen your heart. Can I get a witness? So a confrontation with God. And then we look at, uh, we look, uh, we also, if, if, if we're gonna get overcome impatient, we gotta have a confrontation with God. In other words, I gotta lay it, I gotta lay my idea up next to God's idea, and if my idea is not matching God's idea, then my idea has got to take a back seat. In other words, anytime I go to do something as a Christian, first and foremost, I wanna make sure that it lines up with scripture. Are you with me? As a ministry, I don't want to do anything that doesn't line up with word. As a Christian, I don't want to do anything on my own and dismiss God's word. Are y'all with me today? So that confrontation, that meeting, people are trying to look for a, a vision or see stars fall up the sky. I tell you what, if you really want to, if you really want to meet God face-to-face, get into this book. Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word what, was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. So God in his word are one in the same. So if you want to meet God, meet him in his word. I'm not doubting that God can give you a vision. I'm not doubting that God can give you a dream. He does speak through dreams and visions. But, but, but more than likely, you're going to find God's revelation in his word. But therein lies the problem. A lot of Christians aren't in His Word, and we'll come to church, but we won't get in His Word. And because we don't get in His Word, we don't have faith. Because faith comes by and hearing by what? So how are you going to get faith if you have no Word? Oh, I just pray it going through. But it didn't say faith came by praying. It says faith coming by and hearing by what? So, so that meeting with God starts with. Time in his word. Are you with me today? So second thing as it relates to a solution to impatience is receiving the promises of God. Go to go to verses 10 and 12. Let's look at that right quick. Receiving the promise of God to receive something. To receive something. Glory to God to receive something. Sister Tony, would you stand on your feet right quick? I'm going to step down here to receive something. Now, if I come to Tony. And I'm going to give her something. I want, I'm going to give her my phone in order for her to get it. She has to what? Receive it. If she stands up there with her hands back here. You want here? She can't receive unless she's I mean, unless, she, unless she openly amen, makes herself open to get what I'm giving to her. And thank you, Tony. Most of the times in our lives, guys, God is giving us his word, but a lot of time we sit back with mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Uh-uh. No, nope, no, nope. I'm not used to that. You're not used to that because you haven't followed his word all along. How many of you, know you can be in church? Come on, and not be a follower of God's word. See, if you're gonna receive from God, your heart has to be open. Amen. To take that word when it comes to you and don't sit there and shake your head. Because many times there's some things that God will actually do like he did Abram to leave what you're familiar with and embrace that thing that you're not familiar with. Can I get a witness? And that's where we have a problem. We tend to have a problem because all of us are used to doing things a certain way receiving the promise of God. Look at verse 10 through 12. It says, then he added, I'll give you more descendants than you can count. Now, he, he's talking to Hagar here. Watch this. Look at this next verse. Let's read. And the angel said, also said, you are now pregnant with and will give birth to a son. We read this earlier. You are to name him Ishmael. So, receiving the promise of God. Now, here it is, God's messenger talking to this woman. Again, this this wasn't God's will. And we're going to see it later on here in the 17th chapter that. God says he'd already given Abram Sarah a promise, but they stepped outside of God's will and tried to do it on their own. Yet God is still going to be faithful to the seed that comes from Hagar and Abram. Amen. So receiving a promise, God set out to comfort and assure Hagar, the, the one who had been mistreated. Now, he met her need. By the promises of his word. And that's what God always does. He meets our needs by the promises of his word. The third thing I want you to make a note of is worshiping and praising God. Look at what happens here after the, the promises received. Verse 13 and 14. See, the solution to the impression is a confrontation with God, receiving the promises of God, worshiping and praising God. Confrontation meaning that I'm meeting him face to face. I'm putting my idea of how I should go up against his idea of how I should go. His idea is revealed in his word. And so if my idea does not match his word, what I got to do? I got to step back from me and say, God, I don't understand it. God, I don't see how it's going to happen. But God, I'm going to trust that your word is true and you cannot lie. How many of y'all ever stepped out on God's word before and stepped out to the point to where you didn't understand what was going to happen, but you just trusted that God, your word is true and you do not lie. That's what God is looking for, a people of faith where he can do in our families and he can do in this country something that may seem impossible to the natural man. But when we stand on God's word, we can see it happen. Look at verse 13 and 14. It says, therefore, hey, God, another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. OK, who sees me. We saw the earth. So she began to to worship. She began to to call him and she she actually does. There's a word that she called him uh, is the. The Hebrew word is El Roy, it's E-L-R-O-I, El Roy, which means the God who sees me. Amen. So receiving the promises of God, worshiping, praising God, and fourthly, obeying God. Amen. Obeying God. All three of the, those guilty parties. We read the rest of the chapter, Abraham and Sarah, we, we, we see and we can understand that they also repented of this thing, too. So let's go to the 17th chapter and begin and look at some things here that, that hopefully can help us to get to where we need to be. And, and I think that when we do this, God can help us. We got to go before God to confront him. When I say confront him, that means match up our will with his will and see, does it line up? When we go before God to confront him and repent of the wrong that we've done, then God can deal with us. Go with, go, go with real quick to Psalms 34, verse number 18. Let's look at Psalms 34, verse number 18. I love this passage of scripture here because we got to make sure that we deal with the dysfunction in our family. And the only way to do that is to allow the word of God to have a preeminent place in our family. The word of God has to be so important that we govern our lives. Way of doing things by that word. And God speaks to our issue. Look at Psalms 34, verse number 18. The text says, the Lord is close to whom? The brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Read it one more time, out loud and on purpose. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Go to Isaiah 66 and 2. Let's read that one right quick. Hallelujah. Isaiah 66 and verse number 2. Glory to God. The text says, For all those things have mine hand made, and all those things have, have been, said the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. What, look at what God says here. He says, but to this man will I look. Who's he going to look to? The man that is poor and of a contrite spirit. That means that you are sorrowful, you're humble, you, you, you're willing to acknowledge what you're wrong. That's the kind of person that God looks to. He does not look to a prideful people who won't admit what's wrong. Who won't admit where they're falling short. And guys, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's critically important in all of our lives. We've got to make sure that wherever we are, we're willing to look at ourselves in the mirror of the word. And when we see what we see, we call out what we see. We've been sharing with uh, um, uh, we, our first uh, recording role last Wednesday night and we've been having conversations uh, with uh, with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, amen. Uh, some of my white brothers are coming together and we're, we're, we're talking about the sin of racism and how, it's, how it, is, it is actually just tearing this country apart. And what we're saying is, through this process, is that we got to call out what we see. No longer is it okay for a Christian to be neutral and to, to just not say something. When we see sin in our life or in the life of those who we're in relationship with, we got to talk about it. Amen? If you ignore it or pretend that it does not exist, then you won't get to where God wants you to be. We won't ever get there. And it has to start with the church, guys. So we got to call out. We got we to let the word of God show us ourselves. So he says, My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who, who have humble and contrite hearts, who do what? Who tremble at my word. Now watch this. I want to know how many of y'all actually have had a time when you tremble at his word. Let me me back up. How many, so so let's get some connotation here. How many of y'all, whenever you knew you were getting ready to get a whipping by your parents, you started trembling? Anybody? I I, I need some folks who who mamas and daddies Took you to the woodshed when you had to. Because see, nowadays, their parents say, well, we don't, we don't do that anymore. Let me tell you something. Some children need a spanking on their behind. <laughs> Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will do what? Drive it far. That's what the word says. I'm going to put my thoughts, only time out, up against God's word. Foolishness in there. And some, some kids you can talk to, but a whole bunch of them you can't talk to. And you better try to bend that reed while it's bendable. Amen. Why you got time? Because when they 15, 16, 17, they think that they can whip you. So start young. Put your faults up against God's word, and if God says the rod of correction will drive that foolishness far from them, you, make to do that. So tremble. So I, I remember when, when uh, this is me growing up. When my daddy used to whip us, I didn't get a whole lot of whippings now. Let me say it again, I didn't get a whole lot of weapons, but I got some. And when my daddy would go to to issue corporal punishment, (laughs) it was almost like he was a wild man. I'm just trying to make it plain. It was like, it was like it was a tornado. (laughs) And you would begin to tremble even before he got to you. Now listen to me guys. Think of what God says here. He says my hands are made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I the Lord have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, Who tremble at my word. See I believe we should respect the word of God so that whenever we see God's principle as it relates to any area of our life, we immediately, amen, begin to obey even before we feel it. Y'all heard me say this all the time. Obey and let your feelings catch up with your obedience. You may not feel it, but when you see it properly explained, properly exegetic, exegetic from a text and hermeneutically applied, Oh, just some fancy word for saying, know what the then and the there said and figure out how it applies in the here and the now. Take what the scripture says, properly, rightly divided, and then ask yourself the question, how does this apply to my life in the year, whatever the year is, 2020? The word of God has to become so, so, so strong and we have to believe in its inerrancy and also its inspiration by the Holy Spirit that we use it to govern our lives. All right? Go, listen, let's turn, I think I know what it is. Let's, let's turn to, if you will, to 2 Timothy 3, I believe it is. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? Me and my dysfunctional family. Because can we, can we admit that, that all of us have some things that we deal with in our families? Am I right about it? Hallelujah. We all have things that we deal with in our families and we cannot go second Timothy three, verse number 16. Let's read this right quick. Here's what we got to understand. Confrontation with God means that I come to a point in my life where I got to allow my thinking to be confronted with God's word. And if my thinking lines up with God's word, then I can keep thinking that way. If my thinking is different, then I got to transform my thinking to match what God's word says. But I'll never do that if I never get into God's word. Faith coming by, hearing by, look at what the text says. Let's read together. Come on, y'all. All, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to do what? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our life. Why is it that we have to be made to realize what's wrong in our life? Because, guys, there are a lot of times where we'll feel like something is right. We'll feel so strongly about it that we won't we won't allow anything to change that. So we have to be we have to be made to realize what's wrong in our lives. Right. See, uh, most of us probably in our in our own way of thinking about things. Have a mindset, well, if you, if you, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you. Or if you do me wrong, I'm going to get you back. But God's word says, vengeance is mine, said the Lord, I'll repay. So now I'm going to put my thinking up against God's word. God's word says, vengeance don't belong to you. I know how to deal with your, your enemies. You just be obedient and do what I told you to do. And then allow my word Amen. To have its free course in your life. So now i got to take my thinking which says go get them back and line up with God's word. When God's word says vengeance belongs to him, I know how to repay. And i got to step back and say God, your word takes precedent here. I'm going to back up. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. That's what it does, y'all. It teaches us to do what is right. So we must go before God to confront him and repent of the wrong that we've done. When, when my way of thinking and my actions don't line up with God's word, I got to repent. Now guys, let me, t- let me, let me, say this right quick. To repent means to turn away from repentance. The Bible says godly sorrow leads to repentance. If you're just sorry that you got caught, then you'll go back and do the same thing again. But godly sorrow will lead you to repent, which means to turn away from and go in the opposite direction. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from doing that thing and I'm going to do what God's word says. We must obey God in order to be patient. All right. So let's look at aroused faith. We, We talked about impatient faith leads to dysfunction. So God has to get Abram and Sarah to a point to where he could bring the seed into their life. Because they were not quite ready yet. How many of y'all know God will pick you out for an assignment knowing that you're not quite ready to fulfill the assignment when he picks you? Amen. Yes, sir. Are y'all with me? See, I, I, I play a little college football over losing the tech. And one of the things that, that happens um, when you go to, uh, to play college football, you're in high school, you, pro- you were the big man on campus. You were the best player on your team in, in all likelihood. And so when you go, so you're the best player on your team, but now when you go to college and begin to play the other best players on the team that have been there three and four years before you get there. And also, physically speaking, especially when it comes to the sport of football, you're not quite ready physically, amen, to be able to compete on the collegiate level. So they take you through a a weight training program and, and a nutrition program to get your body bigger, stronger, faster, so you're able to compete. Are you with me? So now... But there's a process that goes into play. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll redshirt you. In other words, they'll have you down there practicing, doing everything everybody else does, but you don't get to play. That's called a redshirt, right? And what they trying to do, they're trying to get you, even though they picked you, even though they assign you, they assign you to a scholarship and paying for your school, they know that when you first get there, you're not quite ready. So they take you to the process. Now, if you go out and say, well, I, if I ain't playing, I ain't practicing. If I'm not playing, I'm not going to lift the weight. Baby, let me tell you something. You'll never get to play. Because you got to go through the process. See, God has picked all of us out for ministry, for mission, and for purpose. But in that picking, there has to be some preparation. So you've been picked out, but are you being prepared? Touch the neighbor and say, neighbor? neighbor, I know he picked you out. But are you going through the preparation process? And that's what he's doing now with Abram and Sarah. He's trying to prepare them to birth the promised seed into the earth realm because they were not quite ready yet, even though they had been picked out. Let's go. Let's look this right So, So go to chapter number 17 of Genesis right quick. Chapter number 17. You've been picked out, but there's a preparation period that has to take place. And then as you're prepared and as you continue to get stronger, and more adept at what God wants you to do, then now he releases you, just like that football player. Once he goes through that red shirt year, once he gets acclimated to the playbook and know what the plays are and, and has that down, then now he can go out there and contribute. And oftentimes, they start contributing, not at the highest level first, but maybe you start out playing special teams only. Until... Hey Amen. It's your turn until that person ahead of you doesn't perform or he graduates or he gets hurt. Then now, when it's your opportunity to step up, you got to be ready to step up. How many of y'all know Tom Brady? New England Patriots quarterback. Tom Brady got his opportunity when the starting quarterback got hurt. And guess what? He stepped in and never released it. And won what? Five? Six Super Bowls, I don't know, with the, with the Patriots and now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he, he, he was preparing himself while he was waiting. See, many, many of you sitting there, and people listening to me right by way of live stream, we don't want to prepare if we're not up front starting. See, God is saying, I'm, I got you there. I'm still, I still have you in preparation mode because I know you think you're ready, but I know you're not ready yet. So you don't really know that you got faith until you got to use it. I can say and talk about it, and I can sing, Faith, don't you give up. We come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. How many of y'all remember that song? Trusting in His holy word. He's never failed me yet. Oh, 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 around we come this far by faith. Now watch this. Whenever something happens in your life that requires faith, most Christians go running and screaming and hollering and complaining. We'll sing about faith, but I want to know how many of us are living by faith. This pandemic has caused a lot of people to, to either trust God or you're going to wig out. And God is saying, I got you. I just need you to trust that my word is true and that I cannot lie. I just need you to trust what I say. The Bible says, God, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to try to find a man or a woman whom he can show himself strong toward. So God is looking for people who trust him, who are preparing themselves for the assignment that he's picked them out to accomplish. Look at 17 verse number one. Watch this right quick. An aroused faith leads to a fresh, stirring experience with God. And look at the Bible says when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Now, again, he's still taking him alone because, you know, they tried. They, they went to Egypt when the famine, they tried to fix it up by connecting Abram with Hagar. And all these, all, they still are God's picked out chosen people to bring the, 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 the Savior through the earth, into the earth realm down through 42 generations. But they're not quite there yet. So now God is trying to come back to encourage them. Because sometimes you need to be encouraged to stand, right? When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Elshad. Now God is now bringing revelation, okay? Abram received a fresh revelation from God. This is what happened to him right here. You see, he, he's, God is now introducing himself to Abram as El Shaddai, God Almighty, the one who is more than enough. And you got to begin somewhere along this journey of faith. We got to begin to understand and to trust and to know God as El Shaddai. He's God Almighty. He's more than enough. Look, look Think about this for a second, guys. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Go to verse number two. Come on, let's read. It says what? It says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. Abram received a fresh revelation from God. They were well beyond childbearing years. Abram at this point was 99 and Sarah was how old? 89. Now y'all know, come on, can we be honest? Ain't no way in the world a 99 year old man got any business trying to have a baby with an 89 year old woman. Come on. Come on, can we be can can real? Can we really be real? The woman was past, she was, she was, she was past her, her way of a woman, as just said. She, she was no longer having her, her, her monthly menstrual cycle. And all the childbearing things were, were gone and stuff had dropped. Stuff dropped, don't it? Sometimes it dropped on man and a woman, right? Okay, don't y'all look at me like that. I'm just, don't get offended. I, the old folks said just keep on living. Stuff just ain't the way it used to be when you were 25. Can I get a witness? You don't move like you used to move at 25, you can't do some of the things same things you, d- at 57, I don't have the same stamina that I had at 25 or 30. Hello? So I start using my brain more. <laughs> I, I, uh, I teased, uh, Kiara and Brittany when we set up the set here, they used the, the, the chairs in my office and, uh, they, um, they worked one evening about 25 or 30 minutes trying to get those chairs out of the door into here. So they took the legs off the chair to bring them in here to set them up on the stave, And I'm, I'm assuming they toted them in here because they couldn't get them out with the legs on. But I could. So all I did was I turned the chair on its side, just maneuvered this way and move it over that way and move it this way. When I got here. I just walked it up the stairs and placed them right on there. And they said, We spent 30 minutes trying to, how did you do that? I said, baby, I'm just using the brain. See, when you get older, you start using the brain a little bit more instead of the back. Are y'all with me? Now watch this, watch this. He says, I will make a covenant with you, which I will guarantee you countless descendants. Now again, 99 and 89, stuff don't quite work the way it used to work. They didn't have some of the stuff that we have today, if you know what I mean. Abram watches. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. Abram needed, what, what Abram needed was to see God as El Shaddai, the almighty God, the God who possessed all might and all power, the God who could do anything. Now, I don't know about you who are sitting there now, but I've learned in my life that God can do anything except fail. I've learned to trust him for the impossibilities in life. Just because I can't see it don't mean it won't come into manifestation. Because that's what faith is. The substance of things hoped for, which is hope is a confident assurance of a future event. It is the evidence of things that I cannot see with my natural eyes. Yes, if I can see it, it's not faith. And most of us sing we come this far by faith, but when it's time for us to live it out and to make a decision based off on faith, Because we hadn't been in our word, we just, we we got, mm -mm, God gave you common sense. Yes, he did. But he gave you faith sense too. Faith don't make sense. Faith don't make sense. It just works. I can't tell you how it works, but it just works. God has a way of working it out for our good. Can I get a witness up in there? So Abraham receive a fresh revelation from God. Because remember, God is trying to get them to the point to where they can have this seed, this child, this seed that's going to carry on his name that ultimately is going to birth Jesus in a manger in Bethlehem. So God revealed himself as the almighty God, the God of all power, the God who could fulfill his promise and who could meet the needs of Abram and his dear wife. Second thing, Abram was to make a new commitment to walk before God and live a blameless life, a perfect life. Now, perfect blame do not mean that you don't mess up along the way. It just means that you have a consistent pattern of following God. Abram was to make a new commitment. When God gives us a fresh revelation, guys, some new insight, some new knowledge, he expects us to act, to put the new knowledge to use and to grow thereby. This was true of Abram. God gave Abram a fresh revelation of himself as the almighty God. But God also told Abram to recommit his life. And to do so more diligently than ever before. So Abram was to make a new commitment. Okay, He was to, two things as it relates to that, he was to walk before God. This means to live step by step in the presence of God. To live moment by moment in fellowship with God. To live in an unbroken consciousness of God. To be always aware of God's presence. To always be aware of God's power. To always be aware of God's security. That's what he's talking about. Here. He says when he says uh, make a new commitment to walk before God and to live blameless, uh, a blameless life. He's talking about walking before him to to have a God consciousness. You know, too many times we I think we we shut God off other than Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we're thinking about God, we're praying. But how fervent is your prayer life throughout the week? How much meditation time are you giving to God when you're not here in church? I like what Joshua said when he was got the word not what Joshua said but it was in the book of Joshua where God gave him a promise as he's getting ready to to lead the children of Israel over into the promised land because Joshua was second in command. He was he was he was Moses number 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 one guy. So he was he was the number two guy as far as the nation was concerned. But now that Moses is dead, as a matter of fact, God had to tell him he already knew it, but God had to remind him, Joshua, Moses my servant, is not dead. You've been mourning for a long time. How long are you going to keep mourning? It's time to go over to the land of promise. But there was a little bit of fear in Joshua. Because you can sit back and look at somebody else important and, and see how much they messing up until you sit in their seat. So what God had to do, he has to encourage Joshua. He says, he says, this book of the law, Joshua 1-8, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, observing to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous. And then you have good success when you learn to meditate on the word, when you learn to let the word of God have 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 a calming influence in your life. Scripture does that when you receive the promise, it calms you. I don't know about you, but it calms me down because I know if God said it, he's going to back it up. Some people I don't know when they say stuff if they're going to back it up. Some folks got a reputation of saying something, but but backing off. Committed Christians commit their life to God and God's that way he 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 he, he is faithful to perform his word. So he told he, he, he was to walk before God and he was to be perfect of blameless. OK, and this means just what the Hebrew word says to be sound, to be complete, to be without any lack of failure whatsoever. It means to be blameless without blemish. Scripture is not teaching sin is perfection. But what it's saying is because no person can do that. But what it's saying is that. But uh, us, we as born again believers, when we begin to to to, to live our lives in such a way that we're, we're consistent in following God, we're we're focused on God. We're making sure that God's word is a part of our everyday life. So Abram was to make a new com- commitment to walk before God and live a blameless life. The third thing was Abram humbled himself before God and listened to God. Look at, look at go back to the 17th chapter. He humbled himself before God and listened to God. How many of y'all listen to God? Listen, look at verses three through five right quick. Let's let's go. Come on, we got to move. I'm about out of time. Thank you all for your patience. I love this story. I love Abram's story. His name is going to be changed to Abraham. And Sarah, Sarah's name is going to be changed to S-A-R-A-H. Because when God moves us, he changes, amen, our disposition. The text says, at at this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, watch this, look at this. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Look at the next verse. It says, what's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. Abraham fell on his face. God reminded Abram that he'd been chosen, amen, and God changed his name. How many of y'all, God has changed your name? How many of you changed your name? We sang that song, I know I've been changed. I know I've been changed. The angels in heaven done signed my name. How many of y'all know you've been changed? I'm not talking about you guessing and somebody else got to confirm it for you. How many of you know that God has transformed you from the inside? Let him change your name. Get away from that old person, that old way of doing things like Jacob was. His name was cheater and schemer. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. God needs to change us. Let him change it. Let him change it. Abraham humbled himself. He had to humble himself. He humbled himself before God and he listened to God. Fourth thing, Abraham heard and believed God's covenant. Or his promise. He, he, he believed. Look at verses 6 through 8 right quick. He humbled himself and he heard and believed God's covenant. Watch the text here. It says, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Next verse says, well, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Verse 8 says what? And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as as a foreigner to you and your descendants, it will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. It's still true today, guys. How many of y'all know the nation of Israel became a nation again? I think it was in 1948, if my history is correct. And all of those descendants of Ishmael—you know the Bible says Ishmael was a wild donkey—that means that he, he just the, 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 all the Arab nations are the descendants of Ishmael, and they're still a man trying to attack the descendants of Isaac to, to this day. That Arab-Jewish conflict, that, that stems from this story. It's baby mama drama. Come on, y'all. In 2020, it is still alive today. What God prophesied here about a bit a wild donkey. Disruptive. Come on, do you, do you watch what happens across this globe? It's still true today, guys, because God's word is true. So Abram heard and believed God's covenant promise. And the fifth thing Abram had to keep the covenant and the ritual of the covenant. Y'all know I don't have time to read all this, but God says the sign of the covenant is going to be circumcision. Every male will be circumcised; his genital will be, the foreskin will be circumcised, and and not only not only those born in his house, but any any servants who, were, who had children that were born, they were circumcised because circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Now, that's the physical sign. It's sort of like the wedding ring. The wedding ring is a physical sign that a man or a woman is married, right? But how many of you know you can wear a wedding ring, uh, and, but if you're not circumcised in your heart, you can do some de- devilish stuff that, that's outside of your marital covenant, if you know what I'm talking about. See, this ring here, if it's not in your heart... That don't mean a thing. And, and if, you start, if you don't have a circumcision of the heart, then, then just saying that I, I, I'm a Baptist, I'm an Episcopalian, I'm an Assembler of God, I was baptized. Because you were baptized don't mean you've had a circumcision of the heart. Because there's folks who went down dry devils, came up wet devils. Y'all know some of them? You tried to do ministry with some of them. They had no God in them whatsoever. You know they weren't thinking about the things of God. It, it, it just blew your mind that a person can think that way and say I'm saved. Because they don't have a circumcision of the heart. I'm not, listen to me. I'm, get ready to go to my seat. I'm not surprised about anything. I tell people when I counsel them, I said, listen, whatever you tell me, don't. I, I probably, 99% chance, it's 99% chance I've heard it before. Let's, I'm here to help help hear you. I'm not here to to condemn you, because I know that men, if they don't have instructions with the heart, they're subject to do anything. Men and women. Are y'all with me? So, so 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 Abraham had to keep the covenant and the ritual of the covenant. And I gotta stop here. I'm, I'm gonna stop here. <laughs> y'all got six and seven? Six, seven, and eight there? What does six say? Come on. Abram had to change his relationship to his family. And this is what some of y'all got to do. You got to change your relationship to your family. I, I, I'm, I'm going to pick back up on that on next week. And that don't mean that you dis- disregard your family and stop loving your family. But I, what, I'm, wh- what we're going to find out is, is we got to begin to operate differently with our family members. And I'm talking about family of origin. I mean your, your biological family. The family of faith your Christian church family and the family of this nation and how we interact with each other as fellow citizens of these United States of America. We got to change how we do that. And we're going to pick up next week. Every head bow it everybody close.